I want to talk to you a little bit about friends. Everybody say friends. Today's Neighbor Day, and so we're celebrating, we're celebrating friendship and the gift of friends that God gives us. Everybody say a friend. How many of you are glad you got one? Uh, if you would, yeah, okay, that's, I think that's good. Can you see me? I need one more chair. If you have your Bibles, uh, get ready to use them. How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of David? He was uh, not the first king of Israel, but he was the chosen king. He was a man that was known as a man that was after God's own heart. Have you ever gone through life and, and find your success can become a problem for you? How many of you ever noticed that? Let me talk to you about it in sports a little bit. You know, if you're lousy at sports, uh, nobody picks you on their team. If you're, if you're, if you're kind of good, they'll pick you. But then when you get better than they are, they criticize you. Is anybody in the house today? And so it's, it's like, you know, sometimes your success wraps its arms around some heartache and some uh, challenges. Everybody say challenges. I was listening to a, uh, Joel Osteen the other day, and he was talking, and he said, you know, he said, when I first started out, he said, everybody, you know, loved me. They were for me, you know, because I was trying to fill my dad's shoes. He said, but when we started to grow, he said, everybody hated me. And I thought about the fact that you have to, if you're not careful, you get your focus on everything except what it ought to be on. How many of you know you need to stay focused? I got rear-ended here uh, a few months ago. I was pulled up at a stoplight and, you know, it I was coming around to make a right-hand turn, and so there's a traffic light there. You know, it's one of those yield, you know, where you, you go through. And so I, I stopped to see around that pole because I couldn't see oncoming traffic. I stopped to see around the pole, and all of a sudden when I stopped and I looked, leaned forward to look, man, I got pow, and it was an older lady, and I got out, and I told her, I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. She said, I've never had an accident before. And she felt bad about it, but she, she wasn't focused on me. She thought that I had already left, and so she started looking this way as she was moving this way. How many of you know there's a danger when you're not focused on where you're going? There's uh, texting. If you text and drive, it's, it's an accident waiting to happen. And I've had to make up my mind that I'm not going to let my wife text and drive anymore. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, that, that you, can't, you can't do both. In, in our neighborhood, a uh, uh, gentleman that had done some work for me on occasion, he had a grandchild, and that grandchild was just, I mean, like his shadow. He, well, how old was he? Two years old? Just, I mean, by him all the time and, and uh, just, you know, constantly there. And then all of a sudden, he went out to get the mail. Well, they lived on a, a highway. He went out to get the mail, and as he went out to get the mail, he, he wasn't looking at the grandchild that was coming in behind him and a man was coming down the road and he was texting and he hit that baby and they had its funeral here a few weeks ago and that's something you can't get back all because somebody lost focus you understand that 
Paul talked about that when you run in a race, everybody runs, but only one gets the prize. And that's the one that keeps their focus. You've got to stay focused. David went out on a battlefield where an entire army was focused on the wrong thing. That entire army was focused on a giant. Now, I admit it's hard not to focus on somebody that's nine and a half or nine feet and nine inches tall. It'd be hard not to focus on him. But he was ranting and raving and going on, and they were focused on his rant and his rave until David showed up on the battlefield. And when David showed up and the giant came out and started doing his thing, David said, who's he think he is? And everybody couldn't understand how David could be so calm in the face of that kind of adversity. And it's because David's focus was not on the giant. David's focus was on God, and he knew God was more than able to take care of any giant he had to face. You're not going to get through life without facing some giants, so you've got to predetermine now that my focus will not be on the giant, but it will be on my God. Everybody say, my God. My God is well able Everybody looked at Goliath and said, he's so big, how could you hit him? And David said, he's so big, how could I miss him? It's, it's about where your focus is, what, what's your mindset. And so David finds himself being celebrated. He, he goes from the obscurity of being a shepherd boy to all of a sudden now becoming the king's bodyguard. And, and, and everything is going swell. Everybody say swell. That's a word we used to use back when. We'll use that again on old-fashioned day. Swell. Everybody say swell. So everything's going great until somebody starts singing a song. And it's the second verse that got David in trouble. The first verse was Saul has slain his thousands and everything was good. But the second verse said, and David has slain his ten thousands and everything just went north. <laughs> and so David finds himself the object of jealousy, and he becomes a target. How many of you have ever felt like you were a target? You ever felt like you were a target? Hey, you remember when you were in school, how many of you ever got hit in the back of the head with a spitball? Somebody targeted you. I was on the school bus one day, and you remember those little crab apples? Somebody threw one of those and caught me right there. Unfortunately for the person that threw it, I happened to see him throw it. And he caught me. I was his target. And when I got a hold of him, he said, I didn't throw it at you. I said, don't lie to me. And so no matter where you're at in life, whether it's in school, whether it's on your work, whether it's in your family, how many of you have ever been? I'm not going to get too deep into this. But how many of you have ever been to a family reunion before? and you dreaded having to face somebody at that family reunion because of bad blood. Everybody say bad blood. Or, you know, or, 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 or misconstrued conversation or something, and it's always, you know, and so I, I'll never forget when I was evangelizing, I went to preach at this church, and, and it, it was a split off of another church, and I called the pastor and asked him, I said, look, I did not know when they called me, and so I'm just asking you, do you want me to go or not? And he said, go ahead and go. So I walked in, and when I walked in, you know, everybody, I, I saw all these faces, and I knew where they'd come from, and they knew I knew where they'd come from. And I looked up there, and I said, I'm not going to spend the next three nights walking on eggshells here. I said, I know where you're from. You all know where you're from. I said, now look, that's over. That's done with. I said, there was a time that Paul and Barnabas had contention arise between them, and they could not go on together. They continued to love God. They did not badmouth each other. They just continued to love God, and they went their separate ways. So you got to make up your mind what you're going to do. He who slings mud loses ground. And so you have to go forward. Everybody say, go forward. David keeps his focus, and he begins forward. But now Saul 
wants David out of the picture because he feels threatened. And so what happens is, is Saul takes a spear and hurls it at David, you know, and, and David escapes out of his presence. He almost killed him and things keep going from bad to worse. And so he throws a spear at him and then the next thing he's doing is telling him, I want you to be my son-in-law. I'm a little confused here. <laughs> Unless you've got Medusa for a daughter, I can't understand why you'd want me to be your son-in-law. And so it, everybody say a trap. Saul's trying to set a trap for him. And I, I want to, I'm giving you the introduction. I want to preach to you for just a little while today on there's a place for you. Would you say that with me? There is a place for you. I want you to understand that. I want you to get that in your spirit. There is a place for you. So David's going through this and he ends up marrying Saul's daughter and, and then he thinks, oh, I'm going to trap him in the marriage. I'm going to send him out to battle Philistines and he kills the Philistines. And so every way Saul keeps trying to get rid of David isn't working. And, and he's, he's, he's got an entire kingdom. Saul is the king of Israel. So he's got an entire kingdom to go after David. But there's one thing that Saul wasn't figuring on. David had a friend. Everybody say a friend. I'm telling you, I, I hope you understand and value the gift of a friend. There are some people that you make that are an acquaintance for a season and others are there for life. And you have a friend and David's friend was Saul's son, Jonathan. Everybody say Jonathan. When David met Jonathan, Jonathan's heart is knit to David. And he takes off his robe. He takes off his his belt and his sword and he gives those to David he recognizes something about David and instead of trying to destroy it he's trying to promote it everybody say promote it and so his, their hearts are knit together and Saul isn't letting Jonathan know what his plans are because he knows that Jonathan will try and tell David or try and save David. So this rocks on and David finally goes to Jonathan and he says, look, man, he said, I'm, you know, I, I, your dad's trying to kill me. And, and, and Jonathan said, no, that, that wouldn't happen. He wouldn't do anything without telling me. And he said, look, he knows that we're friends and I'm telling you that he's trying to kill me. And, and it, look, if there's something that I've done that's worthy of death, then you kill me, but don't turn me over to your father. And, they, and Jonathan Jonathan's telling him, no, that's not true. So finally, Jonathan pledges to David that he's going to find out if that's really what his dad has in mind. And I want you to listen to this conversation. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 20, starting with verse 12. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape alive. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, everybody say it with me. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. I, I want you to remember that line that, but if I die, then you treat my family with that faithfulness. Everybody say a friend. And so David promised. Sure enough, Jonathan finds out that his dad try, is trying to kill David. David has to flee, and he runs. Saul takes 3,000 elite forces to try and hunt down David with 600 men. See, Saul understood something about David, that God was with David. And if God be for you who can be against you 
How many of you understand that God is for you in here? Wait, wave your hand. Hold it up. Hold it up high if you understand that God is for you. If you understand God's for you, give him a hand clap right now. If you know that God is for you. Now, I want to ask you a question. You've clapped your hands. You say, I know God's for me. How many of you have ever had somebody against you? Raise your hand. Now, let me phrase what Paul's saying. If God be for you, who can be against you. What he's saying is this. He's saying, he's not telling you that nobody's going to be against you. He's telling you nobody's going to be able to stand that rises against you because God will take care of it. Everybody say, God will take care of it. Do you ever do that thing at, at grade school? I'm going to tell my daddy on you. Oh yeah, I'm going to tell my daddy on you. Well, you need to understand, my daddy's the biggest daddy of them all. <laughs> and because God is my father, he's got my back and my front and my side. He's got my north, my south, my east, and my west. He has surrounded me. But Saul is intent to try and stop that. I don't know if Saul in his thinking is thinking, well, if I can get David out of the scene, then God will have no choice but to let the kingdom remain with me. You see, when you get away from God, your thinking gets twisted. When you step away from allowing God to navigate your world, you come up with all sorts of crazy stuff. And so, David's got his focus, and it's God, and Saul has his focus, and it's David. <laughs> And this is how it plays out. They go after David on a mountain. And David and his men hid in a cave. Saul goes into the cave to get out of the public eye because he needs to relieve himself. He goes inside the cave to relieve himself. And he goes in the very cave that David and his men are in. And David's men said, God just delivered your enemy into your hand. Go kill him. David walks up to where Saul's at. Now think about this. He's got 600 men in a cave with that one man. Saul doesn't stand a chance. David walks up to Saul, and all of a sudden God touches his heart. And he just cuts the end off of his robe. And he walks back, and his men are saying, kill him. Kill him. He said, no. My hand will not touch God's anointed. I don't know what he is now, but at one time he was God's anointed. Would to God will give us a heart that recognizes that sometimes people get in a place where they're confused and, 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 and we don't need to raise our hand against them. Leave them in the hand of God. Just let God deal with it and keep your hands clean. And so all of a sudden, Saul walks out. David goes to the entrance of the cave, and he calls out to him, and he says, King, live forever. And, and Saul looks back, and he says, I don't know who told you. Can I just put it in plain English? I don't know who told you I'm trying to kill you, but whoever it was is telling you a whopper. <laughs> you see what I got in my hand? Let the, look at the corner of your robe. God delivered you into my hand today. But I spared your life. And Saul breaks. And he says, you're a more righteous man than I am. And he walks off. This goes back and forth with David until God had put Saul within David's grasp on more than one occasion. Not just in the cave incident. But David came into the camp where Saul was sleeping one night and took one man with him. God caused a deep sleep to fall on that entire army, and he walked up right to Saul's head, picked the spear up out of the ground, grabbed a jug of water that was beside him, and walked away with it. The man with him was encouraging him to, he said, let me kill him. <laughs> he said, it'll just take one shot, man. I'll pin him to the ground with that spear. He won't, he, I won't have to do it twice. And he said, no. He said, God will take care of this. He'll either die of old age or he'll die in battle or something to happen, but God will take care of it. Everybody say this with me. Let God handle it. 
I found out something. God does a lot better job in handling stuff than we do. Is anybody in the house today? How many, how, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you ever decided you were going to handle something and wished you'd just left it alone? You know, I was going to handle a Rottweiler on my porch. Well, he, was off. he wasn't on my porch. He was on my driveway. I came out one night at midnight. I had to go send a fax to Russia and came out one night, and there's that big dog, and he's going, roar, 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 roar. And I thought, who do you think you are? And I stomped my foot, and I said, get out of here. And he jumped up on that porch with me. I guess he knows who he is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> See what happens? Take it in your own hand, and you tear everything up. And so... I, I backed up and, and got out of there and realized I'm, 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 I'm about to bite off more than I can chew. So I went and got an equalizer. <laughs> I had a 38 pistol. He left. I never shot him. I never shot him. He was gone. But I, I made up my mind I wasn't going to get eaten a bite at a time. Do you understand that when you start dealing with stuff on your own, it just consumes you? It'll just take you out a, a bite at a time. And so David goes on, time passes. David ends up fleeing Israel. He goes to the land of Gath, and he stays there with a king by the name of Achish. And, and he waits, and all of a sudden something happens. The Philistines attack Israel. Saul goes to battle and Saul dies. But Saul's not the only one that died in that battle. Jonathan died in that battle. And when David heard that Saul was dead, he didn't jump up and start yelling hooray. He didn't jump up and start praising God, I'm free of my enemy. He sang one of the most beautiful songs that have ever been recorded in Psalms where he talks about Saul and Jonathan, that they were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. He does not disparage his memory. And then David becomes king. Everybody say he's king. Time passes and David begins to think about something and he asks a question and the question that he asks is found in 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am. The king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto them, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Everybody say in Lodabar. It seems a strange thing that David would want to show kindness to the house of Saul. You need to understand something. It's not Saul he's showing kindness to. It's Jonathan. He never forgot his friend. He never forgot the man that laid his glory down and his honor down. After David had fled, Jonathan went to meet him one time and he looked at him and he hugged him and he said, God's going to make you the king. And he, he said, and my father full well knows it. And he said, and I'll be right at your side. He isn't trying to take the kingdom away from David. He's trying to get the kingdom to David because he knows that God's hand is on David. And so when he finds out about Mephibosheth. I need some help, guys. Where you at? When he finds out about Mephibosheth, come on out wherever you are. Calling all Mephibosheth. Thank you. Come on out. Come on out. Keep coming. I hope you didn't lose him back there somewhere. 
James Bodie. You're wanted in the front office. I'm not sure. I'm, I guess I'm going to adopt a new Mephibosheth. Just, oh, here he comes. Oh, somebody's already. Obviously, they don't remember what the directions were. <laughs> Put him down here. You work and you plan and you slave. <laughs> Just lay him there for a while. I may want to. No, okay. So they. They, they ask, where is Mephibosheth? Don't, don't run off. You, you can go. I know you're on duty. You stay. Dean, get ready. I mean, Ron, get ready. So they ask where he's at, and they said Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. Here's what you have to understand. Lodabar reveals a lot about what Mephibosheth's been through. Let me share with you Mephibosheth's story. Mephibosheth grew up in a palace. His grandfather was a king. His father was next in line to be king. And Mephibosheth knew one day he would be king. The dreams of a five-year-old. I wonder if he ever played king. I wonder if grandpa ever let him put that crown on. I'm just thinking about my grandkids. Wonder if he ever let him hold that scepter. If he ever set him up in that chair and said, one day, buddy, this is all going to be yours. But all of Mephibosheth's hopes are taken from him in a single solitary day. He loses He's not a man now, do you understand? He's not a man then, he's a five-year-old boy. He loses his grandfather. He loses his father. And if that isn't enough, he loses his ability to walk. Because when they told in the palace that Saul and, and Jonathan were dead. His nurse grabbed him up and started to run with him. And in her anxiousness and in her fear and in her anxiety to get out of that place, she dropped him. And when she dropped him, the bones in his feet broke, protruded out of his skin, and they could not reset them. They didn't have that. So for the rest of his life, he has to keep his feet wrapped. They have to try and make sure infection doesn't get in. He can't play with the rest of the kids. He's forced to leave a palace and live in obscurity. There's some time that passed by. Sometimes we forget that because he's not five years old when David goes looking for him. Now he's a grown man. David had been king for some years. And he said, is there any left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Do you ever feel like you were forgotten? Do you ever feel like, you know, it's kind of like you, you give somebody your recipe and they win a blue ribbon and they never mention your name. You, you, you show somebody, you go fix something for somebody, and then after you fixed it, then the party comes up that brought it to them, and, and they, they say, yeah, I got it done. I got it fixed for you, all right? And you're sitting there going, you got it done. Do you feel like you're forgotten? Mephibosheth ends up in a place called Lodabar. Everybody say it one more time, Lodabar. It consists of two words. The first word is low, which means no. Everybody say no. The second word, debar, means word. So Mephibosheth has been placed in a, he, he lives in a city where there is no word. Everybody say no communication. He's cut himself off from everybody. He has separated himself entirely. He's not open. He's not communicating. He's living in the shadow of a world that he once knew. Why? 
Friend, when hands that were meant to help you hurt you, sometimes it becomes very difficult to trust anyone's hands to hold you again. So he separated himself. He's pushed everybody out of his world and he lives in a place of isolation where there's no word, no communication. When David finds out where he's at, he takes his two guards and he says, I want you to go get him and bring him to me. I want you to think with me for a second, what do you think went through Mephibosheth's mind when all of a sudden soldiers from David's palace show up, grab Mephibosheth and they said, what, what's going on? What are you doing? He said, we're taking you to the king. What do you think is going through his mind? What do you think? No, 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 I'm, I'm down here. <laughs> Sorry. You'll get this palace figured out soon yeah. enough. I know it's, you're new on the job and everything. And they put him down in front of the king. He can't walk on his own. He can't move on his own. And the first thing that David did, I mean, the first thing that Mephibosheth did was he fell on his face before David. What do you think's going through that young man's mind? Don't you know that he thinks he found me? He's going to have me killed. My, my grandfather, he heard his grandfather talk about David, but he'd also heard his father talk about David. Uh, and one man hated him and another man loved him. Uh, the question is, is which man impacted David's heart the most? Uh, the one that hated him or the one that loved him? Uh, which one will impact your life the most? Uh, the one that hates you or the one that loves you? And so he looks at Mephibosheth and he said, you don't need to be afraid. Here, look up at me. Mephibosheth looked at him and David said, I'm going to restore to you all your grandfather's land. And you know what else? You're going to eat at my table with my sons. And he looked at him and he said, why would you want a dead dog like me? His self-perception was, I'm good for nothing. I, I, I can't move. I, everybody that was important is out of my life, and I'm left all alone. I'm here. I, I'm in a corner of the world, and nobody knows me. Nobody cares about me. I can't do anything. He didn't love you because of what you could do. He loved you because of what he could do for you. And he tells those men, he said, you, you, you get him up from there. You bring him and you set him at my table because for the rest of your life, you're going to eat a feast like a son of a king. You're not going to be left in obscurity. I'm not going to leave you where there's a place where no one communicates. And he scoots him up to the table. David understood the difference a table could make for you. He wrote about it in the 23rd Psalm. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. <laughs> what I couldn't do for myself, what I fought and cried and prayed about, all of a sudden in one instant, he picked me up and he set me where no one could touch me. He, he put me in a place where nobody could deprive me. He changed who I was. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord for a while, for a week for a month, forever, <laughs> forever. That means that I'm still there when I'm having a bad day. That means I'm still there when I don't like Brian anymore. That means I'm still there when I can't stand Paul. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm still there when Amon gets on my nerves. I'm still there when Abathar is flinging his hair in my face. I'm, I'm sorry. Absalom.
I'm still there. Let me, let me ask you a question. When he got to the king's table, well, let me, let me, let me say this first. I want to share a scripture with you. Proverbs says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is something that's important for you to remember. It's not Mephibosheth's relationship with David that secured him a spot at the table. It was his father's relationship with David. He's at the table because... His father was David's friend. Everybody say, a friend. Boy, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? That I got a play. How many of you have ever had a friend pick you up a ticket that was hard to get a hold of? A friend gave me tickets to a St. Louis Cardinal game. And they beat the Cubs unmercifully. Cat <laughs> okay. said, they ain't my friend. A friend. A friend secures you a spot. A friend. My son went to a political rally when Trump was in uh, Cape Girardeau. And I said, you, you got to know Jonathan. And Jonathan just starts walking up, you know, and he starts putting his arms around people up front. You know, he's all the way to the back. He, got, he walks all the way up to the front, puts his arms around somebody. Hey, how you doing today? They treating you right around here. They doing good. Before you knew it, he was in the front getting in first. <laughs> Why? Because he became a friend. You can't serve God. If you keep viewing him like he's an enemy. If your perception of God is he's got a lightning bolt in his hand getting ready to take you out, you're always going to shy away from him. But the moment that you can see him for who he is, that friend that sticks closer than a brother, you're going to understand that there's a place for you. Listen to what Jesus says. John 15 and 15, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. John 6, 44, for no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. At the last day, I'll raise them up. John 17, 24, father, this is Jesus praying, get this. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. And finally in Revelation 3 and 20, he says, look, I stand at the door or knock if you'll hear my voice and open the door I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends everybody say a friend a friend do you remember how he got there do you remember how he he got there he got a secure position not because of his relationship but because he knew someone that was a friend of David Now, let me ask a question. I want you to look at all three of these guys. Since he's been sitting at that table, can he walk now? Huh? He's still crippled. But you can't tell he's crippled. Looking at him, he looks just like everybody else. You know why? Because his position covers his condition. I want to say it again. I want you to get this. His position covered his condition. The king knew 
As long as he was trying to navigate this journey alone, he would always think of himself as a cripple. He would always act like a cripple. He would always forever in his mind be crippled. But he knew that if I can get him out of the environment he's in and put him where I always intended for him to be, David always loved Saul. David always loved that family. He never wanted anything but the best for them. Do you understand that God has always loved you? He's always cared for you. The hurt, the pain, the agony you've been through hasn't been because he sent it your way. He's trying to rescue you from it, get you out of it so he can position you at his table. His position covers his condition. How many of you in here today are perfect? Raise your hand. And we'll call the paddy wagon to come and pick you up. <laughs> We're not perfect, are we? My wife prayed for the per perfect husband. And God told her in the sweet by and by. <laughs> I can look in the mirror and how many of you have ever seen those mirrors that magnify you? Why women put those in their bathroom? I have no clue. I've picked one of those things up before, looked at it, and went, oh, my God. Everything wrong with me is magnified. I didn't know I had three-quarter-inch pores in my face. magnified flip it over it's not bad and if you could find one that makes me look further away it even gets better <laughs> but you see he didn't save us because we had it all together he didn't save us because we were perfect he saved us because his son called us his friend. Jesus said, you're no longer servants, but you're my friends. Would you stand with me today? Thank you, God. If you would, I want you to grab those out. You're my friends. A friend secured a place for you at the table. There is a place for you. The king's table is a big table. There's a song that said, though millions have come, there's still room for one. At that table, you have a place for you. But the only way you're ever going to come to that table is when you're willing to let someone hold you again. It was because Jonathan trusted David's hands that he made that pledge with him. And David fulfilled his word to Jonathan. And even though hands that were meant to help hurt, David's hands restored. David's hands gave him back everything that had been taken from him. Gave him back all of his grandfather's land. Gave him a place at the king's table. But Mephibosheth kept wrestling with, I'm a dog. There was another lady that made that statement one time. But she understood something that Mephibosheth didn't. Jesus looked at her and she was asking for help. And Jesus said, well, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, that's true, Lord. But even dogs eat crumbs that fall from the children's table. 
And when Jesus heard that, man, something surged through his heart. He wasn't supposed to reach the Gentiles until after Calvary, until that price was paid. But because of what she said, he looked at her and said, because of that saying, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. Your daughter is whole. Do you understand the moment that you start thinking right about yourself, your whole world changes. The moment you quit feeling like I can't and I'm not able, and you look at his hands and you say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. It changes your world. So this is what I'm going to do today. There is a place setting here enough for everyone that's in this building. What I'm going to ask you to do today is come forward and take one of these settings and then stand here on the floor in front of me as an act saying, God, I have a place at your table. God, I'm taking my place at your table. Come right now. If you can't get up, there's hands that'll help. Someone will bring you one. Mephibosheth couldn't move on his own. He wasn't able to navigate the journey. But David sent men to help him do it. He sent someone to make sure that Mephibosheth would find his place at the table. Once you take one, if you would, just go, don't go back to your seat, but just stand here at the floor with me, if you would. There's a place for you. I've talked to young people that had some rough roads in their journey And sometimes if you're not careful, those roads you allow to define you and make you feel like I'm never going to rise above this situation. Or you let those roads catapult you and say, he's kept me this far and nothing can stop me now. A place at the king's table. You know, I was in Russia one time while they're coming. I was in Russia. I had a meeting in the mayor's office. I was in St. Petersburg. I had a meeting in the mayor's office. And when I got done with the meeting, I went outside and they wouldn't let my interpreters go in with me. They had interpreters for me in there. So when I went outside, my, my interpreter said, where did they take you? Now you have to understand, I've got, I've got no concept of where I'm going. And they said, where did they take you? And I said, they took me to the White Hall. And her eyes got real big and she said, no, they did not. I said, yeah, they took me to a White Hall. I said, I, I went to Lennon's office and they pulled his chair out and asked me to sit in it. There was a cot that he slept on next to the table and there was paperwork that he had been working on that they still had on the table. And she said, it is not possible. It is not possible. And I said, what do you, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. And I said, what, what do you mean it's not possible? She said, I have lived here all my life and those doors have never been opened for me. Here was the difference. I didn't come and present myself in my hands. God is the one that opened that door. And when God opens a door, this is what he said, no man can shut it. You need to understand that God wants to do for you things you never dreamed possible. God wants to promote you. He wants to accept. I just want to speak a word over you too. I know that you've prayed and you know, with the laundromat and everything and, and, and that you went to school for that, for business. And, but I, I just want to declare over you today that in the months ahead, 
you're going to experience something that college could not do for you. And thank God for college. But you're going to experience the favor of God where all of a sudden the things that you've been trying to work out and you've been trying to figure out, God's just going to lay it in your lap and say, here it is. Here it is. I know you've prayed about it. I know you've, you've sought about it and you've tried to work it out. But God wants to show you that when my hand gets involved, all of a sudden in an instant, everything falls into place. This is what the scripture said, that he's faithful not to forget your labor of love. Those that you've reached out, that you've tried to help, that you've, you, you've gone the extra mile for. God is not forgotten. And this next season in your life, you're going to see God at work in ways you never thought possible. Would you just raise your hands to heaven and love him with me right now? There was a time, I don't know what your name is, I can't, I, but there was, a, there was a time in your life where the road was pretty rough. Am I telling you the truth? There, 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 there were, I see you and I see you in a place where you feel all alone. And it's like there was a, there was a time that you didn't know whether or not you could make it. And you really didn't think you were going to. But you're here today. And that's not an accident. You're here because God's determined to show you that he loves you, that he's got a plan for your life, and that when everything else started falling apart, he was there to reach out and start to pick you up and let you know, now it's my turn. You've tried to navigate your way. Now it's my turn. I get to be the pilot. I get to drive this ship. And you're in for the journey of a lifetime. Are you ready for it? Just thank him for it right now. God, I give you praise. I give you praise. Still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never Stretch your hands to heaven with me. This is Riley. Riley shows up on Wednesdays and he's, most of the time he has his wheelchair and he's, uh, he played ball, took what place in the state? 13th in the nation out of 180 teams in the country. Amen. Let's give him a hand. I, this, this is what I, I want you to hear, that God has positioned you. That when, I don't ever want you to let anyone look at you and say, well, you know, he's got this or he's got that. Because what God is doing is he's taking where you've been to get you to a place that you'd have never got to otherwise. Sometimes we don't understand that it's the process of our journey that brings us to a place of honor, that it's the pain that we went through that God uses to take us to a place where he can promote us and honor us. So your pain hasn't been for anything. I just want you to stay humble. I'm, God's going to use you, but this is what I hear. Stay humble before him, and he's going to continue to bring you up, and he'll give you a voice. But don't try and, you know, there, there, there's an, uh, you, with pickles, when you're canning pickles, especially if they're hot and sour, you, you have to let them, you have to leave them in the jar for so many days. Because if you, if, you, if you open them up before they're ready, they never absorb all the juices. 
that they were supposed to get. God, I don't want you to take this wrong. This is just how this is coming to me, okay? God's got you pickled right now. He's got you, he's got you where he's permeating you, your spirit, your heart, and he's saying, don't try and get out of this jar yet. Don't, don't try and do this ahead of me. Let me do it for you because once I open the lid, everybody's gonna go, wow, that's amazing. Stretch your hands to heaven and love him for it right now. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. God, thank you for what you're doing for Riley. I praise you for it. Can you love him with me? Sing it. Are you ready? Take everybody by the hand. Hold, hold your place setting. Hold your place setting in your hand. I, I want you to look at me just to say, hold it, hold it, hold it just a second. There's, there. Let me just give this to you the way it's coming to me, okay? You're a sweet lady, but there's a lot of anger in you. Am I telling you the truth? Am I telling you the truth? Come on. If I'm not, am I telling you the truth? All right. Why would you say that, Pastor? Look, I, I've learned a long time ago, I'd rather she be upset with me than God, because that's, but here's, here's the deal. It's because you, it's like you've always gotten a raw deal. Everything that happened, everything. That sometimes I, I hear this. I don't know if you said it or it was just said about you. It seems like everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And, and it, it got to a point where you felt backed up in a corner and it was just getting overbearing. But God's saying, I want to take you on a journey. If I, this is what I see. I see God reaching out his hand and he's saying, would you walk with me? Would, would you just go on a walk with me? Because there's some things I want to show you that you're never going to see where you're at right now. You, sometimes you feel like joy will never be a part of your life, but God's saying, I want to show you joy that's unspeakable. <laughs> I want to show you that you're not a mistake. I want to show you that you're not an afterthought. I want to show you that you matter, that you are not someone's doormat, but I have opened a door for you to walk through and I'm going to raise you up and the hurt that you're experiencing right now, I'm going to take that and I'm going to mold it and make it and it's going to become a catalyst for you to be able to help others. And I see you in the days ahead. Now, I can only give you what I'm seen I see you down the road sitting down with other girls and saying let me tell you what God brought me through but here's here's the deal when hands that were supposed to help you hurt you it becomes very difficult to trust hands to hold you again and God is saying I need you to trust my hands not this preacher, trust my hands. Will you do that? What's your name? Summer. Father, I thank you for Summer today. And I thank you for who you created her to be. All the obstacles that have tried to block her from her destiny, God, I call them down now in Jesus' name. All the voices that have spoken against her, Father, Lord, we silence them today in Jesus' name. And today I pray, God, summer feels your tangible presence hold her. Let her know how much she's loved. I thank you, God, for the days ahead.
I want you, if you would, at the close of the service today, we're going to pray for everyone. Hold your, hold your place setting up. Would you just hold it up? I don't want you to be embarrassed about it. Matter of fact, I'd love for you to put it in your purse. Not you guys, but girls, put it in your purse. Guys, carry it in your, your truck. Put it on the dash, wherever you can see it, so it's a reminder for you. Aaron, your, your journey here is just beginning. You know, I, I want to say something to you, and I don't want anybody to, to misconstrue this or take this the wrong way, but there's a reason that you didn't come before, and it's because I, I just got, I, I just need to, to speak it out, okay? It's because people couldn't help you the way they can help you now. They weren't in a position to. But now, not only is your position secured, but others' positions are secured so that God can create a synergy. You know, they say that there are bursts in space that are of untold magnitude, just starburst. You love God. And he's had his hand on your life for some time. From the time that you were a girl, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm talking about not, not, I, I'm talking about go back several years and you felt God then, you knew that God was there. And there's always been something in your heart that turned to him, that leaned to him and God's positioning you now for that energy burst, for that magnitude. It's not going to come without opposition, but you're made for this. You're made for this. Would you take each other by the hand in here? It doesn't matter where you've been. You've got your place. Everybody say, I got my place. You know what? Nobody can take my place from me. Now, if I choose to lay it down and walk away, it's because I did it. Nobody can take this from you. But you don't know what I've been through. Your circumstance cannot take this from you. Your place is secure. So quit being afraid of hands. Everybody say it with me. I'm no longer afraid of hands. You ever hear that saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you? Sometimes the devil gets so shook up about what God's getting ready to do in our life that he tries to manipulate our emotions to the point that hands that are reaching to help we fight against, we push against. Ronnie, God has been so good to you. He said, this, this man is a different man than he was a year ago. Amen. If you want to, if you got time, stop by his barbecue shack and let him tell you about what God has done for him. A guy that, I'm just telling you, all through this building are stories of God's handiwork. God in action. So just say this with me. God, here I am. My place is secure. And I'm not giving it up for anybody or anything in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face smile on you. Remember, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And if God be for you, who, my friend, can be against you?